It's Golden Hour Adventure Time, featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things. From the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat, these are their stories. Now, from the back of the pack, your hosts, Justin and Robbie. Welcome to Golden Hour Adventures. Today is just Robbie and I. It's going to be a fun one. I think we're going to do a little bit of race recap since it's fresh on my mind and still pain on my body. <laughs> but today's uh, today's podcast, we actually have a sponsor. Could you believe it, right? Today's podcast is the Hunt Trail Race in Cody, Wyoming. This race is going to take place Saturday, March 18th, obviously, 2023. They have a one-mile, a six-mile, a 16-mile, and a 50K. This is Cody's first and ever and only ultra-distance race. This is a great early season race to get trained up for the summer. The course appears easy, but they are hilly motherfuckers. This year's swag or hoodies for all distances, except the one milers, get a sweet camo hunt shirt. I don't know if uh, if you if you're on Instagram and you follow Run Cody after we had Janie on the podcast, but those hoodies are sick. And she already sent me a link to one, so I'm definitely gonna have to get one. Um, they're really badass. So go out, support your local race directors, your local races. Um, if you're in the Cody area and you can go run this race, it seems like it's going to be a really cool race. Um, Janie says that the 50 K is hard. So let's go out there and prove her wrong. So anyway, go check it out. I mean, it's a destination race. You're right by Yellowstone. Yeah. Right there. So what's up, man? Not much. You, how you feeling? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm feeling as uh, today recording it Friday, so we're almost a week from when the race started last Saturday, and I'm feeling okay. Um, I'm sure we'll get into it, but my I never really had IT band issues, but I I have some like lingering IT band pulling on the side of my knee. It's it's weird. It's on both knees, so that was kind of. Uh, that was kind of a downfall in the race when I was running as the IT band thing started popping up and and I'm still kind of feeling it today. I've been taking it real easy. Um, just doing my one mile streak because you guys talked me into this craziness. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not running my streak. I'm walking my streak for my coach is going to get mad at me. Uh, yeah, just walking the streak, uh, getting a little bit of exercise, but really trying to kind of rest up my body. This is kind of a weird one for me. I've never had to fly to a race, run the race, beat my body up, and then go, 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 and fly home. And I haven't had a lot of time to like kind of relax and get rested up. So I'm going to use this weekend as kind of my just relax, not really do anything. Um, And as convenient would be, the new Harry Potter came out on PlayStation. So (laughs) you got something to do. So I got something to do all weekend, as well as uh, the Super Bowl. So that's right. Well, let's uh, talk about uh, leading up to this race because um, not everyone knows that you know you moved to Alaska and you had to train up there in the in the dark on a treadmill for the hundred miler. So let's uh, talk your how did you train and what led up to the race and how how you picked Rocky Raccoon one hundred mile. Well. Um... I think I picked Rocky Raccoon because a lot of my family lives in Texas. Pretty much all of my family lives in Texas. Um, And 
it would it would be kind of cool to have a lot of my family come out and watch the race um and watch me suffer i guess my last race my dad flew out and was my crew chief for it for big horns and um my mom wanted to come out and experience it as well so i thought it'd be an easy race to do um not an easy race but an easy location to do to have um, a lot of people come out and support as well as it's a western states qualifier so that helped out it's an easy uh, i keep saying easy it's not easy at all 100 miles is never easy <laughs> it's a um it's an early season western states qualifier um and i wanted to uh, I won't say get it out of the way because I never, when I'm, when it comes to running, I never look at things as I have to do it, but I get to do it. Um, and so, you know, I got to run Rocky Raccoon and that was a super cool experience, but I wanted to get the um, qualifier out of the way for more of a mental stress type thing. So I'm not, you know, I want to run Western States, but I don't want to have to worry about this qualifier all year and so um i've deemed 2023 as the year of fun so i'm going to have fun with my running um and i'm going to have adventures and so i wanted to spend the majority of my time running fun and so this year that's what that's what it's going to be so i got my hard race out of the way um i'm going to do one more we'll probably discuss that later but that's later on in the summer but yeah it's just um just it was an easy race to God, I keep saying easy stop. <laughs> it was a convenient, uh, location, um, a Western States qualifier. Um, I do not do well in the heat. I didn't want to come from Alaska where it's negative degrees, temperatures and go to, I don't know, black Canyon where it was 85, 90 degrees last year and just absolutely get smoked. So, uh, the review said it was going to be cold and we got blessed with great weather. So how how did uh, with being in Alaska? How did you train? What was your training program look like for this? Yeah, so uh, so training was very interesting. Um, you know, when I signed up for it, I think I signed up for it. Let's say the first of November, somewhere around in there. So I really had about three months, but I had pretty good fitness going into me signing up. Not hundred mile fitness, but I had pretty good fitness. Um, so you know, I, I felt confident that I could throw down some, some good training weeks and get it done. Uh, yeah, it was a different approach. Um, being that by the time November hit, it was in the negatives already. I didn't do a lot of my, my runs outside. I did a lot inside on the treadmill. I would say probably 90% of my long runs were on the treadmill. So the 20 milers, um, I would do short runs outside less than five miles. Cause I don't know. I'm, I'm not comfortable yet running in negative 20, 25 degrees. So I would do a five miler where I could stay close. If I got in a bind, I could get back. Um, and I always stayed kind of on a road where it was a more populated road where if something happened, I could flag somebody down. I, I was really concerned with getting out in the middle of nowhere, getting in a bind and then, you know, being out there by myself when it's negative 20 degrees. So, um, I decided to stay on the treadmill, which a lot of people probably look down upon. And, you know, I treadmill running doesn't truly bother me. Um, I can throw on a movie, I can throw on a TV show and just kind of cruise. And so it wasn't terrible, but it does suck. I'm not going to lie. 
running on a treadmill for 20 miles is, is pretty brutal. Um, especially when you're slower, uh, you know, a slow runner like myself at 20 milers, you know, four and a half hours. So, um, yeah, it, it was good training. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't regret anything, any of my decisions that I made. Sometimes I was out there running and I would text my coach and be like, I am never doing another ultra in the middle of winter ever again, but I'll, I'll be back out there next winter as well. So I say next winter, it's still negative 10 out right now, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not running right now. So it's all good. Do you think those uh, 20 mile treadmill runs played a factor, you know, when you got into loop four and five? You know, um, you know, I, I did because I think that, you know, getting on a treadmill and doing a 20 miler, it, it not only builds you anaerobically, but it builds you mentally. Um, yeah, you're putting down a 20 miler and you're building your leg strength and, you know, you're building your lungs to be able to handle everything. But at the same time, like you're mentally gritting it out, like a 20 miler out on the road or out on the trail is, um, I wouldn't say easy, but you know, you can kind of pass time. You have stuff to look at, you know, when you're out on a treadmill, you're just kind of, you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over. So, um, yeah, it, I think it did build a little bit of toughness, a little mental toughness, but I, like I said, I don't mind it. it it's the craziest thing. And I I've gotten comfortable with it over the three months of, uh, the training block that I put down, I got real comfortable with running on the treadmill. Um, the treadmill that I trained on was one of the nicer iFit commercial 40% incline treadmills. So, um, you know, if I got bored, I could really just switch it up and add some hills. And we did hill training on it. I say we, but my coach programmed. No one was standing beside me holding my hand on it. <laughs> Turn the incline up and down for you? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we, we programmed in some uh, a lot of speed work on the treadmill, which was fun. It kind of added a little bit of variability and uh, variety to the training. Cause man, like I said, treadmills can get boring if you're doing the same thing over and over. So I still did do my speed work. Um, I still was able to get strides in. still did my long runs. Um, I did some hiking stuff on there. I did all kinds of stuff, you know, it's just, you just had to find a way to make it interesting uh, for you. So and then the programs that, you know, they, they have all those things where you can follow different people. So, you know, I ran uh, a half marathon in New York and I would go do, you know, just training runs out in the hills with Rev and uh, <laughs> Zach Marion has some, some training runs on there. And so like, I would just follow those people. That so like I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. That, that's the iFit program. I've done, um, I don't mind doing speed workouts and stuff like that on the treadmill. I couldn't imagine 20 miles where that wall doesn't move or screen doesn't move, but yeah, I, I like really, it, it does get tough. <laughs> I really think it can build some good mental toughness though. I, I am glad it's over. Let's say that <laughs> <laughs> throwing down a 20 miler again is, uh, you know, that the thought of that kind of just sickens me a little bit. Well, you know, when we were talking to Devin, I believe he said he did most of his training for Rocky on a, Treadmill too. That's exactly what he said. And so that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence that I could actually go out there and do it with, you know, treadmill fitness. So, and then, uh, you know, if you, if you follow me on Instagram, I've done a lot of stupid videos where like treadmill miles are real miles. And I, I wholeheartedly believe it, you know, you're running in place, but you're still running. Yeah. I, I think it's harder. Tell you the truth. <laughs> running that distance on a treadmill. It, it is harder. It is harder. I did, uh, I did my 25 miler about so here's the funny thing, like my peak week, I guess you could call it. Um, 
every week is a peak week in my mind, but my, my higher mileage week, uh, I had to, you know, I did a, I did a 25 mile run followed by, I believe a 10 mile run. And I did the 10 mile on a treadmill, but the 25 miler, I drove about three hours South because it had been tremendously warmer. And so I was like, I got a buddy that has a house down there. And so I drove down there to, you know, get some training in where it was going to be 20 degrees as opposed to negative 20. What I didn't look at was the weather. I didn't factor in that weather changes in Alaska. So uh, luckily I had brought all of my gear. And so when I got down there, it was negative five. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> I really still got to go out and do this. I don't have a treadmill to get out of this. So, uh, so yeah, I went out and did a 25 miler that day. It was so cool though, because um, he's a photographer. So he came out with his drone and he filmed me. The, the skies were clear. You could see Denali um, almost the entire run. It was just like a magical thing. Yeah, it was negative five out and it was super cold, but you know, I was, I was blessed to, to have, you know, the views and, you know, it just was, it was a magical run and I, it's one that I'll remember for a while. And I just was very happy that I went down there and did it. It was negative five. It got cold. Uh, you know, I had a lot of problems. My water bottles froze because I wasn't prepared. I expected it to be 20, which is 20 to negative five is a big difference. So I just a little bit. I had to go into the gas stations and put my water bottles underneath the faucets to thaw them out and put hot water in them. And <laughs> there's just little tricks in the trade that you can, that you learn. And then I made a mistake and I was like, uh, yeah, this, um, Starbucks coffee thing that oh, I forget what they're called, but they're like the little Starbucks jar coffee. And then oh, yeah. an apple pie sounds really good right now. Frappuccinos. Yeah. The little Frappuccino deals. Uh, I thought one of those and an apple pie sounded really good at like mile 12. Well, I ate it, and then about mile 13, my stomach did not think it was the best idea. <laughs> so I'm, they have this cool little trail that runs you know, parallel to the road, and you know, luckily there was a little snow embankment that I could pull off to the side and take a side trail. But yeah, uh, don't go for a Starbucks coffee at mile 12 if you think you can't handle it. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I'm sure it had your uh, carbs for the hour in it, though. Yeah, yeah, until I had to get rid of them. <laughs> it was a lot of carbs, a lot of carbs. So, you you know, you did the majority of your training on the treadmill. Um, How many, what did your weeks look like for volume-wise? Um, How many miles, of course, but what were those weeks looking like? You know, so I, I have this thing that I like to... um I like to say my miles are not, I don't have high mileage white weeks, but I have quality miles weeks. Um, if that makes any sense, quality mile weeks. Yeah, there we go. So, you know, my mileage isn't high. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing hundred milers on 40 to 50 mile weeks, which for most people is probably like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're not running 80 mile weeks. But, um, yeah, I would say average is probably 30 to 40 mile weeks. And then as we get closer to that, you know, quote unquote peak, time frame it starts to bump up into the 50s maybe maybe 60 i think last year before bighorn i got a 60 mile week um i think my big week this week this year was 55 um so i'm not throwing down big miles but um for what i like to say is the miles are quality miles um every miles count i'm not going out just getting junk miles um which i think is hilarious but you know y y everything is programmed in that's you know it's 
it's real quality. So I'm doing speed work, uh, followed by a recovery run. Um, the, the, the next Thursday run is a, um, kind of just like an easy run, but longer. And then Saturday is my, you know, of course my long run followed by a Saturday, you know, not long run, but a, you know, a longer run. So running five days or five days a week, two rest days, Mondays and Fridays. Um, I think the five day a week works really well. Um, it doesn't burn you out mentally and it, it gives you a little bit of, uh, time to do something else if you wanted to right in the middle of my training, um, in the end of December. So, I mean, dead smack in the middle. Um, I took four days off and went snowboarding. So, um, which I don't know if we've talked about it or not, but I, I pulled my SC joint, which is, oh, I don't even know medical terms, but it's the, on the top of your shoulder, it holds your, your clavicle together. Some, some medical person out there is screaming at me right now. I know, but, uh, <laughs> I pulled that joint. And so that was like a lot of pain for, for about two weeks. Cause I was told there's really nothing you can do about it. You just gotta let it heal. Um, and so like the next weekend I like wore my pack and I was so nervous, like, Oh my gosh, is it going to hurt? Like, what's the race going to feel like? But after a week or two, it, it, it went away and it was good, but, but yeah, it was, it was 30, 40 and then up and in, up into the fifties for a little bit, but, um, you know, nothing super high mileage. Yeah. I believe in like consistency overall. So like I said, leading into the race, I had a uh, pretty good consistency. You know, I, I was maintaining the the 30 to 40 mile week. So we just kind of jumped right into that and added a little bit of, uh, you know, more focused training towards the race itself. But yeah. You're talking about junk miles. I don't, I don't know if you've seen that article that Camille uh, was talking about the, you know, don't go in the long run or give up your long run, whatever. I don't remember how it was phrased. She was saying, you know, nothing over 22 miles in a, in a training for a long run and do not follow it up with the back to back. There were some interesting points in there. Have you read that article? Yeah, I did read that article. Um, I love Camille to death. I think she's a great human being. I think she's a great athlete, but I have a lot of issues with her article. The one fact being that she is a, professional athlete so she right. is a step above all of us hobby runners um her long runs and my run long runs are completely different verbiage <laughs> i consider anything over like a 12 13 miler that's a long run for me um that's not a long run for her um she's also doing doubles so she'll go out for i'm making this numbers up but a 10 miler in the morning and a 10 mile at night so she's getting a 20 mile day uh, where some of us don't have the time or ability to break our runs up like that. And so we have to go out for a single 20 mile day, you know, 20 mile run. Um, her 20 mile run takes three hours. Mine takes nearly five, you know? And so there's just a lot of things that, um, I don't agree with in that article. I think that, um, I think that, yes, it's probably possible to run an ultra with a single long run a weekend. Um, followed by some sort of hiking or something like that. I, I don't think that that's out of the question. Um, but, you know, coming from a professional athlete who runs probably probably six to seven times a day or a week, um, you know, and runs, I think she's at a, I don't know how many weeks in a row that she's run a hundred mile weeks, but, you know, she's throwing down some serious volume. So you have to look at all of those little outliers before, 
you know, saying, oh, well, she said, don't run your long runs. But like I said, I love Camille, but I, I just, I have a lot of disagreements with that article. I'm right there with you. You know, these elites, I mean, one, you know, Anton was at his, you know, in his game, you know, 200 mile week. But if you have all the free time, like you said, you could break those up one, two to three training runs a day. People that work eight to five and got families, they just can't do it. Um, I was reading another, she posted something on Instagram and so she said something, the guy was talking about how, you know, most athletes are concerned about waking up at four o'clock in the morning to go get their run in. And she said, the best thing I ever did was uh, run a short run at lunch and run after work. But when you have a family and you got a career and <laughs> you know, those hours, sometimes the only time you can get your running. Yeah. I, um, it, it, yeah, it's crazy. I, I talk to people all the time. They're like, I have to go after dinner when my kid falls asleep. Cause that's really the only time I get up early and go to work. And, you know, I get home, you know, I spend time with my family. I have dinner with them. I put my kid to bed and then that's when I go for my run. And, you know, they're doing six, seven, eight mile runs during the week. And it's like, they don't have time to do, you know, doubles. Like they're, they would have to, they just, you know, you would have to sacrifice somewhere. Like I get it. There's 24 hours in a day, but you have to sacrifice something. So, you know, you're either giving up time for your family, you're giving up time, you know, your job starts suffering. So what, what are you giving up to do doubles, you know, and, it, and it's not worth it. You know, this is, you know, we're hobby runners. I, you know, people get mad at that probably as well, but that that's what we are. We're hobby runners. Yeah. Like I put a lot of time, money and effort into my hobby and um, I enjoy the hell out of it. And, um, you know, I've, I've sometimes, uh, you know, based my entire identity off of running, but, um, you know, when you really have a passion for something, you'll go for it. But in the end I have, you know, my wife who I love to death and, you know, if it came down to me or her, I would, or running or her, obviously I would give up running in a heartbeat. Um, you know, I have my job, you know, there's just a lot of factors that you have to, to wade into things. So. I guess where I wanted to bring this back around is where you said consistency. Um, when I was using a coach, that was his number one thing was consistency. He's like, he, it was big on junk miles. Don't go out and get junk miles. But it was, if you can go out and get some decent miles, you know, five days a week, six days a week, you can run that hundred mile or 50 mile or 50 K, whatever it is. And I've always stuck with that consistency, consistency, you know, when I tell people, go out and get those two miles, then, you know, eventually you can get to three. Then they come back two or three weeks later and they're like, Oh, I'm starting to feel a lot better. You know, it's like, yep, just keep going. You can only imagine how that builds with consistency. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it, if you know, in my personal mind, like my consistency sweet spot is around 30 miles a week. So I can maintain 30 miles a week. Um, and then I can, you know, I can build a program off of that. So if I have a race coming up, and we're jumping into, you know, a couple month program, boom, I already have that base built and I, I can go from there. And so that's when there was no worry about Rocky Raccoon signing up in November, the race early February. Um, you know, if I was coming off from the couch, then yeah, we wouldn't have been <laughs> able to make it. But having that consistency of those 30 mile weeks already and that base really built, um, you know, I... I had no issue really jumping into a training program and getting it done. So 
Consistency is key. Consistency yeah. is key. For all you people listening, they want to get into these longer distances. Just do what you can. Don't be the. Don't go out and try to be the hero. <laughs> Or just sign up for them. (laughs) That's what I do a lot. I just go sign up. Like, I don't know if I can do it. Let me sign up. Oh, yeah. That's another thing, too, is once you sign up, you know, you've you've committed. Uh, Yeah. But it can go both ways. I know it can go both ways. But if you're in the right place in the right time and you sign up, there's your motivation. There's the the carrot, the metal, the buckle, whatever you want to hang out there to get it done. Yeah, that that's my big thing. It's you know, like sometimes I will, you know, if I don't have a race or an event coming up, I'm like, you know, start getting that itch a little bit and like, well, dang, like, you know, I can miss this run or miss this run. But then when you have something like coming up, you're like, okay, I really need to, I really need to get get my body moving because I have a race coming up. Well, let's let's talk about this race. Um so it was in Texas, you had to fly from Alaska to texas um how early did you get to texas before the race well when i say things could when i say that everything could go wrong went wrong uh prior to the race starting it did um i'm on the brooks run happy team i'm sure everybody knows that so i had gotten a lot of stuff um from the brooks store and i had it sent to my parents house in dallas and i Thought I built enough time in to get it all there. You know, my wife had flown up to Alaska and spent a week up here with me prior to the race and we were going to fly back together. We didn't realize that Texas got hit. Well, Dallas area got hit with a an ice storm. So that threw everything off, right? So my shipment for my Brooks shoes, my clothes, everything that I was going to use for the race, um, did not end up arriving prior to the race. So that threw a wrench. So I had one pair, I traveled with one pair of shoes. Luckily I had like a backup of all kinds of clothing and stuff. And so we were good to go on that front. Um, we got diverted to De- uh, Houston. So we were flying, supposed to fly into Dallas and we got diverted to Houston. Um, I have a really good friend that is a travel agent. I, I text her. I was like, I need a rental car to go from Houston to Dallas. Cause everything was in Dallas. Um, you know, the race is around the Houston area. And so, uh, you know, I could have just stayed there, but you know, all of my race gear was, um, in Dallas. So my wife had previously been in Texas and she had bought all the food, all that type of stuff. So I had to get back as well as, uh, we had a friend that was flying in that was going to run the race with me. So we had to pick her up from the airport in Dallas as well. She was flying in later that afternoon. So we get to Houston I go down to rent my car. Um, I got the email and everything saying that the car was going to, you know, subcompact just to get us there. Well, we get there and they're like, the only thing that we have is a 12 passenger van. So I'm like, (laughs) get out of here. A 12 passenger van. Do you expect me to drive four hours from Houston to Dallas in an ice storm in a 12 passenger van? I was thinking like, okay, I'll maybe I'll get an all-wheel car, all-wheel drive car. Maybe I'll get a front-wheel drive. It's a little bit safer. Nope. A two-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive, 12-passenger van. And like not the fancy kind, like the old school like church van, you know, just white, free candy on the side of it. (laughs) Three bench seats. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, um, 
I'm a firefighter, so I, I know how to drive large vehicles. And so it wasn't an issue driving it, but we had a couple, you know, where we had to back up and go here and my wife is <laughs> laughing and yeah, it was a crazy, crazy experience. But when you fly out of Alaska, typically you fly a red eye. So you're flying in the middle of the night. So I think we left at around eight o'clock on Wednesday, 8 p.m. on Wednesday. And we didn't get to to Houston until 5.30 a.m. So, you know, yeah, you can sleep on a plane, but still plane suck. You're not sleep, yeah. sleep. So um, I was pretty tired. We stopped at, uh, of course, a Chick-fil-A and got some, <laughs> some breakfast. My wife had to do some work, so I I climbed in the back of the van and took a nap for a couple hours, and and then we we drove on to to Dallas and turned that beast in and got all of our stuff and picked up my friend and then the next day my dad pulled his travel trailer down back down to to Huntsville where we camped for the weekend and ran the race, but yeah, my shoes and clothes never came in, so um, luck. Lucky for me, I have an awesome wife who went and found me some shoes and uh, a couple other items that I would needed for the race. And so um, I had one pair that I was going to run 60 miles. And then my plan was to change out into some more cushion shoes and run 40 miles. So I did 60 miles in the Brooks Cascadias. And then I did 40 in the Brooks Calderas. But I literally pulled the calderas out of the box, put them on my feet, and away we went. <laughs> nice. I didn't have a choice. Uh, I mean, the, pl- the plan was to do a couple like, um, you know, get them there, do a couple like shakeout runs, get the laces figured out. No, nope, didn't have time for that. Pulled them out of the box and away we went. <laughs> I mean, I guess after 60 miles, your feet are already in pretty bad shape. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they were. My feet are always the downfall. I mean, I think it'd be worse the other way if you had to, you know, put on a brand new pair of shoes and run 60 miles. Still ran to 40. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, those first 60 could have been a little different. <laughs> yeah, the the Cascadias didn't have much on them either. I probably had maybe 15 miles on them. Oh, so two brand new almost. Yeah, they were pretty brand new as well. Uh, you know, I'd done some some talks with my coach prior to and asked her like, you know, what's the deal with these? Do I need to really put some miles? Cause I'm running road and treadmill out here. So I'm not really running on trail shoes. And okay. so, you know, I'm not, I don't have any need for them right now. So once it, you know, the snow falls out then I can go play in the mountains, but, um, for the time being, I'm running in a road shoe. Cause it, it actually gets way better traction than a trail shoe does on snow and ice, which is weird. Um, so yeah, I had done a couple like shakeout runs with the Cascadias just to kind of get the laces figured out and get the shoe a little broken. But yeah, I, I pulled both of them out of the box and away we went. And I had zero issues really with feet. So I mean, yeah, my feet hurt. Don't get me wrong, but um, I didn't have really many issues. So how how were you feeling? You know, um, pre race day, did you have the jitters? Uh, I, I wouldn't say sleep well. Yeah, I wouldn't say I had the jitters. Um, you know, we slept in the camper, um, the travel trailer. And, you know, it it was a little tight because it's a fifth wheel. It only has four. Um, it only had sleep up to four people. So we had an air up, blow up mattress that me and my wife slept on and my friend slept on the couch. And so, um, you know, the blow up mattress is not the most comfortable, but it wasn't terrible. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have race jitters. 
uh, when it comes to a race like 100 because I know I'm just going to be out there for a long time. I don't know. There's there's not much to be nervous about, you know. So leading up to it the day before, like, you know, we went out and me and my running partner went out and ran around. We didn't run. We kind of walked around, just kind of checked out the trails to see what what it looked like. Really want to just check out the roots because that's what I've been hearing. The roots are going to be awful. So wanted to see how big those are. And yeah, I, I don't really think I had an issue. Went to the steakhouse the night before. Um, my, you know, typically my pre-race is a steak and potato and that's pretty much it. Pretty simple. Um, yeah, we woke up that morning. It was, it was pretty chilly, even coming from Alaska. Um, East Texas got humidity and had a little bit of chill to it. And then it runs around the lake out there. So it was, you know, the wind blowing off the lake. It was, it was chilly. I'm not going to lie. So, um, I was, I was still wearing shorts and I wore a light jacket, but it, it did get chilly at times, but starting the race, I think it was in the thirties. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was kind of like an anticlimactic, uh, start to the race. Cause they were like, all right, it's going to start in five minutes. And I, I don't know how many people there were, but there was well over 300 people and they just had this really long shoot that you would run through. And so we just kind of walked up to the shoot and they were like, go. And, you know, it's just, we bottlenecked for probably a mile and it was just, it was crazy. I don't know. I didn't go back and look to see how fast that first mile was, but yeah, we walked and we would jog a little bit, walk a little bit. And it's just like, this is what is going on. This is crazy. Like there was no way you could like, there, there was no way to space each other out. It just, you had to bottleneck in that area, but it, it was a lot of, a lot of fun just starting the race and kind of getting everything going. I thought it was odd when I was, you know, following you on the tracking because it, um, it, it kind of mentioned something, you know, elites start, I don't remember the time. Then it said something like, uh, it was, I can't remember the wording, but it was like, then you can just go when you want to go type of thing. So that must've been the, the, uh, the shoot. So the, what the elite started at seven or something, if they wanted to get up front. Um, no, I don't, I, I think the elite started with everyone else. Well, I think they uh, they allowed the the elites to get up front. They did allow the elites to get up front, yeah. And then there. Then after they said go, then you could just go through the shoot as your leisure. It was yeah. Weird so they 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 leave it open for an hour. Oh, um, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So you can go at any time. So we we started with the mass start. Um, I just was way in the back, but we started with the mass start, and then you could start up to an hour after that if you wanted to. So, so you, you weren't at the bottleneck go. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You weren't eligible for awards, but, um, I didn't have to worry about that at all. So, um, but yeah, I just started with the regular crowd. It wasn't a big deal to me. How could you not so, be eligible for awards if you start an hour later than everyone? You know, I don't know. That's, that's what they, what their rules say. <laughs> I guess if you're an elite, you can catch everybody. Yeah, that's, uh, it's crazy. Get to work that much harder. Yeah. So, but, um, did you have a game plan going into this? Uh, did you, you know, some people have pay sheets, this aid station at this time, blah, blah, blah. What was you know, you know normally I'm very um, analytical about that stuff. And I print all the little pay sheets out and I got the aid station times that I'm coming in. And, you know, those always fall apart, just like every other thing when you're in an ultra. I'd never mm -hmm. plan for it because you're going to get slapped in the face. But um, my goal was to do a five-hour loop. So it's five 20-mile loops. Um, and so my goal was just to do a five hour loop. Uh, we were, the plan was to do a 0.9 mile run, 0.1 mile walk. And so every time my watch would 
beep for the next mile, I would walk for 0.1 mile and then I would run the remainder. So for the first loop, um, it worked really well. So they have heels out there. Um, I think it was about, it was more than what I anticipated. I anticipated about a thousand to 1200. And I think it was a little bit more than that. I think it was closer to 1600. Um, so the hills are a little bit bigger than what I anticipated. And even though I'm in Alaska, I'm kind of in a flat area of Alaska. So I have been doing zero heel training. Um, and so the first lap, we kind of stuck to that run 0.9 walk 0.1. Even it was, you know, we walked, we ran a lot of the hills, all the hills were runnable. It wasn't like you're climbing mountains per se, but so I think that that maybe kind of burned us out a little bit and we probably shouldn't have done that. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a bad thing. I think the first lap we did, uh, four and a half, um, it, it really went smooth. All of my nutrition went down really well. I was eating my, my plan was to eat 60 grams of carbs an hour. I'd been practicing that practicing that, but you know how that goes. You practice on a four hour run and then, you know, at mile at hour eight, like that doesn't work anymore. It didn't work for me. Um, the first lap, everything went down fine, had no issues, zero issues at all. The first lap went great. It should, if it had been a 20 mile run, I would have been, I would have been over the moon, but it was not a 20 mile run. It was a hundred. So I had to do four more loops <laughs> and we all know how that goes. Um, the second loop going into it, we, um, our plan was to walk the hills, but still stick to that 0.9.1 walk run method. So, um, if a hill was in that point one, that's just where it was. If it wasn't, you know, we walked the hills and that worked out really well because I think we did our second lap in four and a half as well. So we're nine hours into the race. We're 40 miles in. Um, I was pretty much over the moon by that point. I was like, wow, we're doing really good. The body still felt good. I was still eating really well. Um, everything went great up until that point. <laughs> just just the, two, the two loops were good. Yeah. If it had been a 40 mile race, it would have been a really good race. Um, and then here comes the third loop. So the third loop is, you know, halfway point, 50 miles leading into doing another loop, 60 miles. Let's go back real quick. How much time were you taking when you came back into the start finish to go back out for that next loop? Yeah, we called that area the headquarters. Um, uh, I think we were max 10 minutes, not anything okay. long. Um, I don't for like spending a long time at the aid stations. And I've always kind of been that way when I'm running ultras because I am slower that I can't waste time at aid stations. And so I'm usually trying to be in and out as fast as I can. Um, my crew will tell you differently. They're like, Oh, we spent forever here. But in my mind, it's always think. <laughs> yeah, like get out of here. In my mind, mm -hmm. I'm always in there uh, in and out. Of course, as the race goes on, you spend more time there, but um, you're having more issues to fix. But yeah, if, 10 minutes max. Okay. It was really muddy out there. So, um, I was doing a sock change at every, um, headquarters. I wanted to do a sock change, but you know, coming in, getting food and then, you know, go back out. But okay. So the third loop. So yeah, we're the third loop. Um, you know, I came in to the 50 mile mark and me and my partner had both PR or 50 mile, not by a lot, but, um, and my, my 50 mile PR was from a mountain race. So it was a lot slower. It wasn't, it was from quad rock, you know, quad rock 50 is 
a beast (laughs) of 11,000 feet of climbing. And so I had a 12 hour and 50 minute PR from, from that race. So I think I did a 1230 from this one. So this one, I probably had 4,000 foot of gain at that time. So it wasn't unrealistic to PR my 50 miler at that point. Um, but yeah, around, uh, mile 50 is when things started to, started to hurt a little bit. Um, you know, as you was, you've, you've run 50 miles. Um, I wouldn't say my IT bands or anything like that was hurting yet. It was more, um, just fatigue, you know, leg fatigue. Um, I was having, um, I still kind of deal with some plantar fasciitis in my left foot. And then I had it in my right foot at one point and you can sometimes feel it every once in a while. I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't say per se that that was the problem in my foot, but it was kind of, I don't know. It was just like sore feet pretty much. It was just there. Yeah. It was just there. Um, but the aid stations were pretty close. They were only five at max miles away from each other. So I think one was at four and the other one was what five and five and five and nine or something like that. So they, they were, you know, anywhere from four to six miles apart. So it wasn't really bad. So you could do that pretty easily in an hour. So when the food kind of stopped working in that third lap, my plan was to change to, I had been running jails and all kinds of other stuff, but my plan was to run a jail in between the aid stations and then use the aid stations as a more, uh, a bigger fueling opportunity. So with like real food, real food. Yeah. I, um, I ate a lot of real food this time. Um, a lot in my last, uh, a couple ultras I had done a lot heavy on gels. Um, this time I decided to do more real food and I think that worked out really well. I had zero stomach issues. Um, but yeah, at that third lap, I, I moved from, you know, eating a lot of food every hour to eating a gel in between the aid stations. So if it was a five mile at mile two and a half, somewhere on in there, I would pop a, an awesome sauce from spring and then when I got to the aid station, I would eat like a cup of noodles, uh, some pancakes, bacon, whatever they had that, you know, sounded good. I ate pancakes almost every aid station. They were phenomenal. And then in the end, like the last aid station, you know, at the very end of the race, they put pan, they folded a pancake up, put a bunch of bacon in it, poured syrup over it. I was like, oh, where the hell has that. this been the whole time? Like I would have been, I've been chewing on that the whole time. Like what's going on? But yeah, so I was eating pancakes and bacon and um, cups of noodles and all, all kinds of stuff at the aid station, just kind of refuel myself. But and I, I think that worked really well. So that was uh, that was lap three. Um, going into lap four, I I said that I wanted to change my shoes out and put those more cushy shoes on. Uh, I think that was a great decision. It it really helped the feet. Um, I get on the balls of my feet, I get like real sensitive. It, it's kind of weird. And then my toes are kind of, they, they get real sensitive as well. Um, I didn't have any blisters. Um, my feet look like they came out of a, a foot magazine. Like they looked great. Um, I use salty britches on my feet. Um, I lathered my feet up every single time I came around. Um, I say, I, I didn't do that. My crew did that. They lathered my feet up with salty britches in between the toes. And so I typically run toe socks and I didn't in this race because I hadn't been practicing with them. So, um, 
I'm a component of don't introduce anything new during uh, a race. So I hadn't been practicing with toe socks because toe socks in the winter suck. Your feet get freezing cold. <laughs> so I, uh, I stuck to regular socks. <coughs> Excuse me. I run, um, I had been running with more of a compression style sock. And so um, I used those during the race and I really enjoyed them. I really liked them, but, and it worked out with the, you know, adding that moisture barrier of the awesome, not the awesome sauce. That would have been awful. Adding that moisture barrier of the salty breeches. It really helped out. Um, and yeah, zero, zero issues with feet other than, you know, them being swollen and the balls of my feet having that, just that fatigue. And so I haven't figured why that is and, and only happens on hundred milers. So I don't know. So lap four, lap three, you started falling apart a little bit. You said, yeah, lap three started falling apart a little bit. Um, I think we came in at 12 hours. Um, I'm sorry, not 12 hours, 15 hours at lap three. So we were at 15 hours, 60 miles in. And so we had taken a little bit longer on that third lap just because, you know, starting to get fatigued. And so, but we were still on our time goal of five hours a loop. And so um, we had, we had, you know, we'd been doing four and a half hours. So we added an extra hour to it, but which is fine. Um, The coming in 15 hours, no issues. Uh, Going out with the fourth lap, um, we had a little bit of excitement because we picked up some pacers. Um, my dad and my wife had said they were going to pace both of which hadn't done a lot of training leading up to it. So we didn't really know how much they were going to be able to do or how far they were going to be able to go. Um, but because our pace was a lot slower than what it had been at the beginning, they were like, Oh yeah, we can run this all day long. But, um, so my dad started out with this on the fourth lap. So by the way, the, the fourth lap was, um, that was where the mental kind of like, I'm sitting at that headquarters, like, Oh my gosh, I got two more of these things. Like, how am I going to do this? But that fourth lap was kind of the struggle bus. I never really got in a funk, but the fourth lap was just kind of like, ah, man, this lap's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> this lap's going to suck. And you know, yeah, that that's where, you know, they say the mile, the race starts at mile 70, but I think the race for me started at mile 60 and that's where you really like, you had to kind of dig in mentally and kind of grit it out and just just grind those miles because you still got to put 40 miles down and that's that's so many miles and, and we've talked about this before i mean loop courses are freaking mentally hard because you're you got comfort at the headquarters yep yep you can 100%. just say i'm done I'm yeah done. you yeah you you're throwing you, the towel who cares I'm yeah done. and you know that thought never crossed my mind at all i never really had like i was sitting there i was like man i gotta do another lap this is gonna suck but it never crossed my mind to, to give up or quit. Like that was never, that was never even in the, in the thought process. So yeah. But anyway, uh, we went out on that fourth lap. My dad was with us about two and a half miles in my dad got introduced to the roots and he took a real nasty fall. So I turned a corner, we're running, I turned a corner and he, he just, he kicked this monster that just came out of the ground and away he went, tumbled down. And I was in the, I was in front, he was in the middle, and then my partner was in the back. And uh, it was 
kind of comical at the same time because you know like when somebody falls like you want to laugh but at the same time like you're like oh i know that hurt <laughs> so i turned around and he's doing like this this barrel roll and i'm like oh my gosh and he just you know you hit the ground with a thud and he's like oh he's all wincing and stuff let alone gets, your uh, dad too what's that let alone at your dad too. i know it's right <laughs> uh so my dad is mostly a cyclist. I wouldn't say a cyclist. Like he rides gravel bike and mountain bike and stuff like that. So he's not a big runner, but he does run every once in a while. But, you know, he'll go out and ride 50 miles on a bike like it's nothing. and just throw him down. But, um, but yeah, he really wanted to pace. So he hit the ground about, two, about mile two, uh, two and a half, somewhere out in there. And he stood up and he's like, oh, I think my ribs are broke. And I'm like, no. Uh, his shoulder was hurting him. Um, he had blood everywhere from like, he scraped up his elbow. He scraped oh, up his dude. hand. He hit his knees. Knees are all scraped up. So he's bleeding all over the place, but he's like, you know, he's like, I'm good. I'm good. And I was like, well, let's just walk it out for a minute. Just kind of let you catch your breath a little bit. Um, at the same time, obviously we wanted a break. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he kind of, um, uh, he kind of, got back into his, his regular self and was like, all right, I'm good to go. We can run now. But, and I think he ran, I think he, he either did nine or 11 miles. I can't remember what he did. I think he did nine. I think he ended up doing nine miles, but so he ran seven miles after he thought, and to this day, which only a week later still thinks he has a broken rib. So, um, oh man, pretty incredible to, to go seven miles after you broke your rib. Cause that, that thought of, of quitting again would have come into my mind if I'd have broke a rib, but yeah, yeah there, there's a, there's a lot of toughness in that one. So, and, and we were still kind of moving pretty good. Like we weren't walking the whole time. We were, you know, we, we never really got to a point where we walked the whole race, like, or a lap, like we, we did some pretty good running. Um, the whole point nine point one thing had been thrown out the window and it was kind of like, let's run when we can and let's walk where we can't. So, um, but yeah, he did, um, a point nine, or he did a nine mile loop with us. And so he got back around to the, the halfway point in that loop. And then me and my partner did a five mile section by ourselves in lap four. And I did not like that section. It just went forever. It was on a, it was on a Jeep road. It Ugh. went forever. And then it would do a quick little turn and you would come all the way back. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, this thing ever going to end. It was, was super like out back. It wasn't an out and back. It kind of was, but not really. Like if you ever look at the race map, it's so confusing. Yeah, I was looking at that. Cause yeah. you would be like right beside somebody running. Um, I mean, you could see them off in the, you know, a little bit over, but you're probably 10 miles ahead of them. And so it was yeah, they super were going weird. Direction, yeah. yeah. Very weird. Um, and then sometimes there would be like, you'd pass people on a bridge and you would be, you know, 20 or 30 miles ahead of them and you're not 30, but you'd be, yeah. you know, 15 miles ahead of them. And you're like, what? Like that sucks for those guys. <laughs> or they could have been on a lap before us. Who knows? Right. Uh, yeah. I didn't like that, that third section, that five mile section. Cause you're just on a Jeep road. You went really far out there. Um, and then you took a little bit of a turn and you came back, um, not an outback, but just on a different road, but it just, okay. I don't know. It was just, it just drug on forever. It was such a long five miles. Was there an aid station out there? There was not. No. So that was in oh, the middle. So it was, that was lonely. The, it was all, nothing. Yeah. A whole five miles of out there. Um, and so you had houses on the right side of you, um, right next to the trails. And so, or the Jeep, Jeep trail or whatever. 
And so it was kind of funny because this one guy came out and he set up his, it wasn't really an aid station. He didn't have any aid, but he set up a runway, like a fashion runway. And just, he's out there like bumping loud music. He's got lights going. He had this little tent with his little like makeshift runway. And he's like, all right, you know, walk across the runway, give me a pose. And so it, it was just fun. Like, you know, cause you're, it's in the middle of the night. It's probably yeah. like, you know, 12, one o'clock in the morning at this point, I don't remember what lap this was, but I just remembered it. But I think it was on that fourth lap, to be honest with you. But so, you know, me and my partner walk across and it, it was just fun. It just added a little bit of like, Oh, that, that was nice. Um, <laughs> Get your mind off the, yeah. the grind. When we finished that section, we came back around. My wife was waiting at one of the, at the aid station and she was going to take us into headquarters um, to finish up our fifth lap. So, or finish up our fourth lap. And so, you know, at that point, like that's when things were starting to hurt pretty bad, uh, kind of in a, uh, kind of in a little bit of a funk, but not really like, like I said, I never really got in a true funk, but you're always going to have your highs and you're going to have your lows. It was kind of neat having a partner to run with the entire time. And so, you know, when I was in my highs, she was in her lows and vice versa. So we kind of helped each other along. Like I would lead one aid station. She was lead after the next one. So, you know, if, if we felt good, we'd jump up and lead a little bit and kind of push and pull the others, you know, to, to help out each other. It, it worked out really well, but yeah, we get into the headquarters after the fourth lap and, you know, we, we were calling it our victory lap. This fifth lap is our victory lap. This is it. So we had so much time, um, to finish the race. So the way the race is set up is it's a 32 hour finish, but if you want to qualify for Western States, it's a sub 30. So to get sub 30, you have to finish by noon. Um, and we started our last lap at 4 AM. So we had plenty of time, uh, to get into, back around to the aid station. So we called it our victory lap. Um, I would say we walked a lot of the fifth lap because both of us were in pretty good pain. Um, weren't really feeling it very well. So my wife, uh, continued on with us after finishing the fourth lap with us. And she did the same section that my dad did. So those two, um, and then went to the halfway point. And then me and my partner finished up the race together those last 10 miles or last 11, I think it was, but, um, how much time did you take on after lap four at headquarters before going out for your victory lap? You know, I still think that we didn't spend a lot of time. Um, I think max 10 minutes. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't bad. So we had, my wife was a crew chief for my partner and then my dad was a crew chief for me. Um, and then we kind of swapped on and off, but it, that kind of helped flow things a little bit better. Um, I had an extra pack. I was swapping packs here and there. So my packs were already packed, ready to go. So a lot of that. And then my partner had a, um, extra bottle. So all she had to do was take her pack off, reload, load the new bottles in, take the old bottles out type thing. And so that transition period went real quick. So they weren't having to pack my pack every single time. And so that helped out tremendously. But so, Really, the only thing was, um, I, you know, I wanted new salty breeches on my feet. I changed socks and put shoes back on and, and away we went type thing. So um, I say 10 minutes, it could have been longer, but um, I think max 10 minutes on on all the aid station stops. Well, I guess, how many, do you know how many aid stations there were? So there was four aid stations. Um, the first one was a, 
So my watch actually had nineteen point six per lap. Okay, I, I didn't actually have a twenty mile lap. It was nineteen point six. So um, the first one was about four miles. The second one was five. The third one was five as well. The third one and the first one were the same aid station, um, uh, if that makes any sense. Mm. But they just had them divided by a rope. So you couldn't cross over, obviously. You couldn't cheat and cross over. <laughs> and then the fourth one being the headquarters area. So, Okay, really, so you you really didn't need to. You, you had everything you needed out on the course pretty much the whole time. Yeah, headquarters yeah. Headquarters were just a, a spot to have your gear and stuff that... And the headquarters had an aid station. Um, I never stopped at it because I, I don't know what they had. Um, I always just went to my tent area. So there was tents lined up along the course. It was kind of cool just to, you know, everybody would cheer you on as you run through the little tent area, uh, camp area or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, headquarters was where everything was. So I didn't stop at the headquarters aid station, but or the start finish, whatever you want to call it. All right, back to your uh, victory lap. So uh, your wife went halfway. Yep. On the she went the ten miles. So at mile ninety, she went off and left. Yeah, I think it was actually nine miles. It was nine to that, and then eleven from there. But either way, okay, yeah. <laughs> either way, <laughs> at that point, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So we finished the last eleven ourselves. So we had that awful section, and and I didn't think on that fifth lap that that five mile section was gonna is going to end, but you know, I, I say it was awful just for the fact that it was a long road out and a long road back. Um, but it was so beautiful. Like the sun was rising at that point. That's when everything was coming out and they just had like this really op this big open field at one point. And it just looked, it looked really cool. And it just, I don't know, you know, seeing the sunrise kind of just brings everything back, back around. Um, and it kind of revitalizes you and brings you back to life. I was having some issues staying awake. Um, I wasn't drinking as much caffeine as I probably should have. Um, so at the aid stations, I was pounding a coffee or two of just a little cup of coffee, but, um, I was having some issues staying awake. I was literally falling asleep on the trail. So, um, as that sun was coming up, I was looking forward to it. Cause I was like, all right, this is going to actually wake me up and I'm be ready to go. And I was of course, but yeah, that, that section that I keep saying was awful, you know, might've been somebody else's favorite section, but <laughs> when the sun came up and it was just kind of like the dew was coming off the grass. It just, it was really pretty out there. But, um, the, the, my favorite section was the the last section. It was a, you know, a six mile section, but you, you run, um, that's where you get the real long bridges that you're running across kind of the swampy areas. Um, you run down by the lake. It was just a really cool little section. Um, and then of course you're, that's where the finish is. So that adds that. Um, you also, uh, rock walked across a dam, um, at the lake. And so that was really cool at night. Um, I, I'd been talking to someone on Instagram about the race. Someone had previously done the race before and was actually out there volunteering and helped pace at the race as well. <clears throat> so I actually got to meet them in person, but they had told me like, look up over the stars, um, you know, look up at the stars at, at night on the dam. And it was, you know, super cool. We had clear skies and that was just really cool. A full moon too, but oh, yeah, great. coming into that, uh, that victory lap, it was fun. You know? when did, so when you left on the victory lap, did you, did you already feel you had it in the bag? Oh, I knew I had it in the bag. I knew it without a doubt. I had it in the bag. I had so much time. Like, I don't know. I, I can't do trail math and I still can't do math at this point, but 
you know, I had, uh, it was 4am when we left and I had till noon to finish. So, yeah, you know, eight hours to finish a lap. So you had to do 20 miles, 20 miles in eight hours. I could have walked that, but, right. and, and I did a lot of it. <laughs> so what were those last 11 miles like after your wife left? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it was, you know, we didn't have someone that was, you know, every time you pick up a pacer, like you have that person to talk to and it's kind of, it's something different. Um, you know, not saying that I ever in a sense got bored with my partner running, but it was, it was nice to hear someone else's voice for a second, you know, and she'll tell you the same thing. She probably, I know she probably did get tired of me, um, <laughs> running, running my mouth basically. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, um, it was kind of cool to have someone there, you know, with my dad and my wife, uh, both pacing and kind of, you know, talking, telling stories and taking our mind off of what we were doing. Um, but I think it, it was kind of surreal when she left. I don't, I don't know what the movie is and I, I, for the life of me, can't remember what it is. Um, but I had, it was such a weird feeling leaving that halfway aid station because they were jamming music. It was super bright lights. Everybody was out there having fun. And then you, when you leave, you kind of turn the corner and the music just quickly fades. And it's just like, you're back out in the black. And it was kind of just like, it's kind of creepy at the same time. It's just like surreal. Um, and it would remind, it reminded me so much of this movie and I can't remember that movie, but it was just such a cool feeling and it just kind of weird at the same time. Um, but yeah, once we turned that corner and the music faded and we were back out there, it's like, this is it. Let's do this. We got so much time. Uh, but like I said, both of us were in a lot of pain and <laughs> we had to help each other out. And yeah, what, once we got past that five mile section that I told you that was not great, was up the road, turn around and back down the road. Once we got to that last aid station, that's where we got the the bacon pancake burrito taco thing and it's just like man this was magical and that's that's kind of what we needed to get us on our way to finish those last six miles we came across the dam one last time once you get to the dam you have four miles to go um you can hear the aid station um the finish line the whole time we could hear it when you're up on the dam because it's just right across the lake uh, you could see it at night it was all lit up you could hear them jamming music but so we got up there, took our, took our pictures, of course, like, Hey, this is our last four miles, you know? <laughs> and so that four miles took forever, but <laughs> as it always does, I guess, but right, doing the hundred mile shuffle at that point. Yeah. But then, you know, you got the last half mile, you're kind of running through the park, uh, the campground, you know, everybody's kind of cheering for you as you're coming by. And when we we're running up the chute to the aids to the to the finish line. It was like, let's do this. Let's finish this guy out. Let's go get these cool buckles. And oh, yeah. you know, when you're running up there, like all your pain is gone. You're not feeling anything. You're got a big old smile on your face. You see your family just standing there waiting for you. Um, everything kind of fades away in the back of your mind and you you don't hurt anymore. And it, it it's such a hard feeling to describe when you've put that much work and that much effort like I mean yeah I only really did like a three-month block but I did three months of like running on the treadmill running in negative 20 degrees 
um, grinding it out day in and day out, like beating my body down on the race itself, like getting in those lows, like feet are hurting, IT band issues going on. My legs are fatigued to that last point one, just running it up that chute to finish that uh, cross across the finish line. It was just, it was something magical. And it has always been in all of my hundred mile finishes have all been like that. Like the pain is gone. Um, you know, you're, I, I, you know, if you look at the video, you're like, Oh my gosh, they're flying. But you know, you're probably doing a, <laughs> you know, a, a 17 minute mile, but at the same time, it's like, it's such a, such a cool feeling. And it, that's something that, that you, that I chase, honestly, it's like that feeling like, how do I get that feeling back again? <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, after did this one feel any, I don't know how to word this question. Did this one feel any different than any, any other hundreds? Uh, you know, I think it did, um, for the fact that this was a very runnable course. So you're a, I was able to, man, I don't even know how many miles I, me and my partner were talking about a lot, but I think we decided we ran 60 to 70% of the race. Um, and then, you know, in a mountain hundred, you're not running that many miles. And no. so, um, it was cool to, you know, be able to throw down 60 to 70 miles of, you know, running, um, and then really only have, you know, 30 something miles, you know, power hiking, um, but, and then some people are gonna be like, oh my God, you power hiked for 30 miles, but whatever. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I got a buckle. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, I think that I ran a lot more than I had previously run in all of my other ultras. Um, but my other ultras or my other hundreds had been mountain style races where you have, you can't run up the hills. So you're having to walk up the hills. And so, um, it, it, it was different and it was. I would say on a level of difficulty, just as hard for the fact that it is a more runnable course. Um, it adds just a different layer. You're not forced to stop and walk. Like you could literally run the whole thing. Yeah. It was a flatter course, but you know, a hundred miles is a hundred miles. You're still running and moving your body for a hundred miles, regardless how you want to look at it. If it was easier or, you know, flat or fast, what, whatever people say, uh, it was a hundred freaking miles. And so, you're still putting your body through that regardless if it's mountains or hills. So you're uh, you know, pretty much a week out from the start of this thing. What, um, what has come over this week? Have you uh, had any revelations? Any, how do you feel? Anything changed mentally? Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of floating that high, you know, everybody. Um, so now I have, I've flown back to Alaska now. So I'm back in Alaska. Um, of course, you know, everybody's like, Oh my gosh, how would it go? Let me see your buckle, this, that. Um, so you're still kind of like, you're, you're bringing it back around again and telling the story again. It's just, you know, it's super surreal again, you know? And so I'm still in that high, but I haven't rested. <laughs> and so, uh, I think we talked a little bit at the beginning, but I'm using this weekend just to rest because, I've been kind of go, you know, I've been, I haven't been going, going, but you know, driving a lot, flying back. Yeah. Just all of that just compounds and, you know, it makes your body tired. I'm still, I'm still like physically tired. So, uh, I'm just going to take this weekend and kind of relax and chill. Um, still, still have some ning lingering, um, it band issues. So, 
I'm still trying to get those guys kind of healed up. They're a lot better, but they, they, the, the pain is still present. So, um, you know, that may push me out a little bit further than what I originally anticipated to get back into running, but you know, that's to be expected when you put your body through what you just did. Do you have any new takeaways from running this hobby, hobby of running? You know, I don't know if I have any new takeaways. Um, when I was coming across the finish line, I had the split second decision to jump across the finish line. <laughs> uh, and I've never done that ever before. And I don't know why I decided to do that, but I am so glad that I did because a, the picture is badass. But... It, it, the video is badass too. If you guys, yeah, I actually, it. I actually got the picture now. It's super fun. You'll, you'll see it out. I, I will make it the album cover or something. But, nice. Uh, I haven't seen it. Go check out running and stash Instagram <laughs> jumping over the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a dumb jump, but you know, um, it just solidifies what I had said earlier in the podcast that 2023 is a year of fun and I want to have fun. And so, you know, looking back on it, like I had an absolute blast in this race. Um, I, I don't remember any really, I keep saying it, but I don't really remember any like true funks that I got in where I was just like, I got to put my headphones in and I can't talk to you. You know, like I feel like we were chit chatting the whole time. Um, we were, we were smiling at every camera stop that there was like, we were having fun with the race. Um, we were putting on playlists and jamming music together and singing like it's two o'clock in the morning. We're so much pain. And, um, I don't remember the song, but one of the songs came on and we're both like just out there singing. It was just like, it was so much fun. The photographer at the end of the race said, you guys just look like you just had fun the whole time. And so that's what I wanted from this race. I wanted to have fun. I wanted it to be an enjoyable moment and a memorable time. And so that jump at the end just kind of solidified everything. And so <laughs> looking back, uh, Rocky Raccoon was a fun race. And that's so good. that's what, uh, that's the, what I'm, that's what I'm gonna look back on. It was a fun one. You know, I, uh, I try to make them all fun. If they're not fun, I don't know why I do it, I guess. Yeah. Have fun or don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a new shirt. <laughs> oh. You got anyone you want to thank or? Yeah, oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, first off, I want to thank my wife because uh, she did a lot of behind the scenes work. She, you know, she did all the planning pretty much. She get, would get mad at me like, why are you talking to so-and-so? Why are you doing this? But she, and would go behind me and do it all. So, um, you know, she went to the grocery store multiple times and bought food for me and my running partner. Um, she gathered everything up. She did all the logistics stuff. Um, she paced for 15 miles. Um, she's just a rock, you know, and she's, she's been at pretty much every single one of my ultras and has crewed many of them. Uh, she herself is an ultra marathoner. So she understands what we go through and the pain that we go through. Um, She's an amazing human being. I love her to death. And I definitely could not have done it without her. Um, the other crew members, uh, Pacer, my dad, um, he's done this before. He understands it. He knows he enjoys the heck out of it. I think he has so much fun doing it. Um, I'm always kind of like, I feel guilty. Like, hey, thanks for coming out. I really appreciate it. And he's like, no, I want to do it again. Let's go again. It's just like, you know, he, he really enjoys doing it. Um, I brought my mom along and my cousin Ginger. 
Um, they were both kind of new to it, but they both really wanted to get in it, see what was going on. Um, so they, they came out, Ginger's husband and kids came out. Um, he brought a brisket out. So that was cool <laughs> to add a brisket to my, uh, I felt bad cause I was like, I didn't eat any brisket. My wife was like, yeah, you did. It was in your noodles, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they all helped out in their each individual ways. Um, whether it came down to like taking pictures, changing shoes, socks, adding stuff to our feet, fixing our food, filling our waters, packing our packs. Like they may think that they didn't do a lot, but they did a huge amount and we definitely could have done it without them. Um, and of course my running partner, like, uh, kept me going the entire time. And when I was in my lows, she was in her highs and helped me pull along. And yeah, it was uh, a super fun race. I'd never run a race with someone the entire time. And so, uh, next I've got spoiled now cause next time I might have to do it by myself and I'm not going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my coach Eve, we've had her on the podcast. Um, you know, she, she was able to plan all the, all the runs out, all the training runs, and then kind of give me motivation leading into the week and was texting me throughout the the whole race. And it was, yeah, kind of fun, you know, talking to her a little bit because I'll pull my phone out and see who messages. And, you know, that's another distraction that I can have. I can just text people back, but which is totally random, but I, yeah, it's something I do. <laughs> um, the whole primal uh, primal run athlete team. Like everyone was texting me. Everyone was like posting on the Facebook group. And so all those guys were supporting from afar. Uh, of course you, man, I got a bunch of texts from you, like, go get it, have fun. You know, it's like all those little motivational texts you sent, they were great. I really appreciated them. So thanks to everybody for following along. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was quite a few people following along all the friends out in the black Hills, like all those guys, like, yeah, it was great. I'm glad you had fun. <laughs> I'm glad you're successful. That doesn't mean finishing either. <laughs> yeah, successful. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, we never even said 29 hours and four minutes. That was the time. Never, never even said it. <laughs> not that it matters. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we don't. I qualified for, time, qualified you had for Western 100, again. And you had your 100-mile PR, right? I did. I had a four hour and 29 minute, four hour and 29 minute PR. That's pretty, uh, pretty good there. That is, that is. Uh, it, and it's funny because I consider myself a back of the packer, but I, I think I finished like back of the mid. So love it. <laughs> so, uh, we have a new term now. It's called mop <laughs> middle of the pack. <laughs> I, I can't All right, be I'll, a, be a, I'll be at the front of the middle of the pack. I can't can be, be a bopper can be anymore. Mop. I could be a mopper. So, so I no, can be a fop. I don't, I don't like being a mop. I want to go back to my bop, be the okay. back of the pack. I enjoy being back of the pack, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> back of the pack is where it's comfortable. I like being comfortable. Unless you're chasing those cutoffs. Yeah. I don't want to do that again. That hurts. Well, that's, you know, that's the difference between a, a run, a race you can run and a mountain race. True. You know, yep. I've been to many mountain races where people are chasing cutoffs the whole race. Yep. But you know what? They still get it done and can't take it away. Get that buckle. Yep. Well, congrats, man. I'm happy for you. Thanks. Thanks. And I guess if you're uh, still listening here this long, we uh, need to promote our little store we got going. 
keep the lights on for us here at uh, Golden Hour Ventures. <laughs> yeah, we got some uh, we got some cool swag out there. We're starting to build our our uh, I don't know our apparel and stuff like that, but we have our some merch. cool our merch. Uh, we have some cool shirts. Live, laugh, adventure. That's a cool one. I really like that one. And the mugs are cool too. Uh, yeah. Somebody sent me a picture of a mug uh, yesterday. They were drinking wine out of it. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, we got some gators. You know, go and leave us a review. We're thinking about, you know, maybe if we get some enough people leaving us reviews, we can do some some swag giveaways or something, but we need some reviews. And if, you know, tell us what you would like, you know, we can go out there and make it. And if you want a certain color or anything like that, just hit us up. We have it on Facebook and Instagram, but the the meta business is super hard to navigate. I don't uh, understand why they're always asking all these questions when you can just go to Shopify and find it pretty easily. And I don't get asked a million questions. <laughs> and, you know, Justin, I have some, some goals we'd like to do and, you know, we'd, We'd love to get some support so we can help, you know, those will help reach our goals. Uh, I know we have lots of plans and we just, we got to get there first. So go check it out. You can uh, find it off the Instagram on the link tree. If you're not following uh, Golden Art Adventures Instagram, go follow. Um, on the Facebook, you can hit the shop now, but for some reason, all the stuff's not up there. Um, but if you go off to the link tree, it'll take you right to the Shopify site and the full catalogs there and trying our best to add stuff all the time. So go check it out. We'd love for you to buy something and support us. For sure. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been produced and edited by Backbeat Sound. Come and find us on Instagram at backbeatsound1776 or email us at backbeatsound1776 at gmail.com.